Good morning, church. Thank you, Pastor Jared, and thank you, worship team, for leading us into a time of worship. Truly, the presence of God is here, and I believe that the presence of God is with you wherever you are in your homes as well. So I bring you greetings and bring you blessings to your homes and uh, your bedrooms, your kitchens, your living room, your entire household. May you experience the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. Indeed, we are in the final month of 2020. We church, we have made it together. Whether it was a good year for you or a struggle, uh, we, we want to thank God that He has seen us through. And now that we're in the month of December, clearly in our minds, it's Christmas. And I don't know about you, but I have been uh, thinking and planning for our Christmas plans this year. And I want to talk about something that perhaps some it's, it's something that all of us would really like to talk and think about, and that is gifts. Gifts. I want to talk about gifts. Now turn to your neighbor, whoever it is that you're sitting with, and tell them, gifts. Gifts. We all love talking about gifts, whether it is receiving or giving. Gifts is something that uh, is, is also a form of a love language, and people who enjoy giving gifts see that as an act of love. Now, but because Christmas is coming up and, and there are gatherings and parties and families, friends, loved ones that we are thinking about, uh, recently I've been uh, thinking about what is a gift to give to my family and friends. And then because there is this gathering where, you have, uh, where there is an online Christmas wish list, I myself also have to think of things that I wanted to fill up my Christmas wish list. Now, I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering what is your Christmas wish list. If you could have anything at all for this Christmas, what would, you be, what would it be? If you have something in mind, please go ahead and type it down in the comment section. Or if you're with someone, tell them what is your Christmas wish list. If you could have anything at all, anything at all, what would be on your Christmas wish list? Go ahead and type it there. Perhaps for some of you, it is you want the latest bit of technology. You think, oh, iPhone 12. I'm assuming that's the latest one. Or if you're not an Apple fan, perhaps Android, Xiaomi Mi 10 Pro, Xiaomi 11. Um, maybe it's one of those uh, technologies. Or it's not something as high-tech. It's something else uh, that is mean, something else meaningful, something else that is um, something that you've been desiring. Now for me, I've been thinking about getting a new saxophone. I love to play music. But, and so there was, the saxophone was on my list. But thinking about the practicality of, our, of my situation at the moment, I thought, okay, it would be nice to have a new instrument, but it's totally unpractical uh, at this time. And so as I reflected on what gift I would really want for Christmas, all I want for Christmas is... I realize it's sleep. Sleep. Now, many of you will probably have uh, many different things that you want on your Christmas list, but I am very certain that for my wife and I, the one thing that we would really want for Christmas this year is sleep. And for those of you who, are in the, uh, who don't know, it's because we have two very young children, two young children who, for, for whatever reasons known to them and unknown to us, they fight sleep, and at every opportunity, they wake up and they try to stay awake as much as they can. And we don't know why. We've asked God, we've prayed, and we've begged God. And I guess because of that, what we would really want for Christmas this year is sleep. Uh, but regardless, whatever it is that is on your Christmas wish list, um, this morning, we want to see 
that really the only gift that we will ever need is Jesus Christ. Clearly, when we talk about Christmas, we remember that it is the birth of Jesus Christ that we are celebrating, not just about earthly presents and nice things, but the good gift, the very good gift that God gave to us so, so many years ago. And how this good gift of the birth of Jesus Christ is still applicable into our lives today. And so that's why this morning, I've entitled the, my sharing, my sermon this morning as, To Us, a Son is Given. To Us, a Son is Given. And this morning's message will actually be based on our golden verse for this month. But before we actually read, wherever you are watching, wherever you are listening to this morning's sermon, can I just request that you join me as we rise to our feet. We're going to look to God in prayer and we want to honour Him by rising to our feet and giving this time a focus to God. Please join me as you rise to your feet. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father God, we want to look to you this morning. We thank you, Lord, that your presence is in this place. It is in their homes. It is, your presence is everywhere. And we thank you, Lord, that you are our good Father, that you are ministering and speaking to us wherever it is, Lord, that we are. Lord, you know our heart's needs. You know our heart's desires. You know, Lord, the gift that we desire. But ultimately, Lord, you know what's most important. You know our needs over our wants. So God, I pray that this morning you will speak into our hearts. You will challenge our lives, Lord. Speak into us and help us to see that truly the good, good gift that you have given to this world so long ago is still the most important gift that we need in our lives today. I pray, Lord, that you speak to each and every one of us. You will anoint my lips and use me, Lord, as I bring forth your message. Do what you wish to, do, to have done in our lives as we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please remain standing. We're now going to look, uh, we're going to read the Word of God. So can I just flash up the uh, golden verse for this month? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Let us read it together. One, two, go. For to us... A child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Thank you. Please be seated. Now, last week, Pastor Yiming already talked about this uh, golden verse. And last week, she shared with us about the two first titles. And she expounded on how Jesus, upon receiving these two titles, and what these titles meant for us. Today, we're going to continue in the next two titles, which is the third and the fourth that was mentioned in the prophecy. Uh, that the prophet Isaiah prophesied 700 years before the arrival of Christ. And so the third title that Jesus was called is the Everlasting Father. The third title that Jesus is called, is addressed, is the Everlasting Father. Now, I don't, I don't want any of us to be confused. When the prophet Isaiah was prophesying this message, he was not confusing between the Trinity uh, of Jesus Christ. He was not calling Jesus the Son of God as the Father, but he was talking about the kind of character, the kind of fatherly character and compassion that Jesus would show to his disciples. Now, what does that mean? Now, 
growing up in Sunday school, one of, the, one of my favorite songs to sing was Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. And so we know that Jesus has a fatherly compassion, a fatherly love for the little children. Indeed, in the book of Matthew chapter 19, verse 14, when Jesus was spending time with his disciples, ministering to them, a crowd of people spot them. And you can imagine what's going on. It's a young family. They have excitable kids. And oh, they're excited to see someone famous, someone influential. And so the people come along with their very young children and they wanted to come and meet with Jesus. But the disciples, being annoyed perhaps that, that their time with Jesus was disturbed, stopped them and tried to chase them away. But Jesus, having compassion for the children, said this, Matthew chapter 19, verse 14. But Jesus said, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. So from the song that we sung in Sunday school, and from this passage that we have just read in the book of Matthew, we see that Jesus really does have fatherly compassion and kindness towards children. But I'm not talking about literal children. In fact, the prophet here is not talking about literal children. We know that when Jesus was on this earth, he did not have physical children. So it's not a literal term of being a father, but rather the prophet was referring to Jesus' role as a fatherly figure. Now, a father's role, as I'm sure many of you know, is someone who is a provider and a protector and perhaps in some homes, also the teacher and the discipliner as well. So Jesus comes with the role of a father who is a provider as well as a protector. Now, if I'm thinking about Jesus' life, the example that, that reminds me of when Jesus provides is when he feeds the multitudes. Jesus feeds the thousands. First, he feeds the 5,000, and then he, later on, he feeds the 4,000 as well. And this record of Jesus providing is found in the book of Mark chapter 6. And the second one uh, of Jesus, that I can think of of Jesus performing his fatherly role is when he protects the ones that he loves, when Jesus protects the ones under his care. And so an example that I can think of of Jesus protecting his disciples there are more, but I'm just going to think of one. It's when Jesus and his disciples were in the Garden of Gethsemane. And they have been praying because Jesus was about to be arrested and he was about to be sent into Jerusalem to be crucified. And so you, so you can imagine the tension of the night drama. Jesus was there with his disciples. They were all anticipating what was going to happen next. And then suddenly, a mob, an angry mob appears to arrest Jesus. When the mob comes up to Jesus and his disciples, they cry out for Jesus. And Jesus told them, who are you looking for? When the mob said that they're looking for Jesus, he says, I am he. And since I am the one that you are looking for, let these little ones go. And so, in, so what I can see is that Jesus was willing to give himself up in order to protect his disciples. Now, if you imagine today's context and famous people, important people of this world, if you were a famous leader, generally it is the small soldiers, you know, the small pawns that are sent to defend the king. But Jesus 
constantly flips our, our, uh, our understanding upside down. And in here in this example as well, Jesus shows us how different His kingdom is. That the leader, the king, the father, is the one who stands forth and protects His followers. So we see that Jesus is not only a provider who provides for the thousands, but He's also a protector who protects the ones that He loves and the ones that He cares. And as we look at the title, Everlasting Father, we now begin to understand that calling Jesus the Father is not referring to His, his, uh, his, his uh, position, not as the Father God, but rather His character, His role, His compassion towards His uh, disciples. That's you and I. But the, we also want to look at the adjective of being an everlasting Father. Now, everlasting means forevermore. And when we talk about something that lasts forevermore, the, we begin to understand that prophet is really referring to the divinity of Jesus Christ. So when we look at things that, that uh, we have on this earth, we treasure nice things. Uh, perhaps since we're on the topic of gifts, when you were young and you received a precious gift that was so meaningful, perhaps it was given to you by a loved one, or perhaps it was a gift you had received uh, to commemorate an event, an award, maybe your graduation, and you received a precious gift. And this was probably something that you kept really well. But regardless how well you kept them, whether you bubble-wrapped it, whether you soaked in, in formaldehyde, whether you locked it up in the safe, eventually, Things like these, earthly things, will fade away. Now, I know you're probably thinking of plastic. These days, plastic lasts for millions of years. And yeah, okay, everything is made out of plastic these days. And it'll probably last for a million years. But even a million years is not forevermore. And so when we want to talk about something that is everlasting, something that lasts forevermore, something that never decays or never destroys or is never stolen, we're talking about the divinity of Jesus Christ. Jesus is divine. And really, it is a reminder that yes, Jesus came in the form of a young baby boy. But in order for him to be born on this earth as a young baby boy, he put aside his divinity. He put aside his forevermore so that he can connect with you and I, so that he can show us his love, so that he can be the perfect gift for you and I, and for this world. And so Jesus is the everlasting Father. He is the forevermore Father. He is the always Father. And so He is the divine Father who protects and He uh, provides for our every need. The book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 8, says this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And once again, it is a verse that points to us that Jesus is everlasting, that Jesus will ever love us, that Jesus is our perfect gift, that Jesus will always provide and always protect us regardless of our needs. And so now we want to look at the fourth title which is given to our Lord Jesus Christ, and that is the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. In the Hebrew language, Prince of Peace is Shal Shalom. And the, and the word phrase Shal Shalom talks about a peace that is whole. 
a peace that is complete, a perfect peace. And the bearer of this perfect peace is Shalom, Jesus Christ. Now, why is there talk about perfect peace and uh, a wholesome peace? Is there an example of a peace that is not so permanent or everlasting? Clear, sure. I can give from my, ex my ex own experience that at this moment in my household, there is a lack of peace. Not that we are at war, but because we don't have enough sleep. So when we, we don't have enough sleep, when you're sleep deprived, things start to go haywire. Your emotions are a mess, your mental thoughts are a mess, and then that also affects your physical body, your physical functionality. I have, I have to warn you that I have not had my cup of coffee this morning. And so I have prompted our dear techni technical team that if I were to fall asleep, to click video. And perhaps you get to enjoy a, a music uh, video halfway through the sermon. But we pray not because we do want to listen to the Word of God and I don't want to fall asleep because that is not a very beautiful sight online. Okay, so yes, there are such things as peace that is not wholesome or complete or satisfying and that is our nightly sleep. Now at night, when it's all quiet, supposedly, at night, when it's all dark, unless you have a baby night light, you're supposed to be able to experience peace. And when it is quiet at night and dark at night, that is when you're able to rest your head after a full day's work. And when you arise the next morning, you're supposed to feel mm, refreshed and ready to face whatever brings the very next day. But we know that in reality, that is not always the case. Perhaps suddenly, ayah, I forgot to off the kettle. Or suddenly, ayah, I had something cooking and I forgot to switch off the fire. Or maybe as you were about to fall asleep, somebody's neighbour decides to let the alarm car go off. Or there are cats doing happy business somewhere and they are screaming because they're having a time of their life. We know that the earthly peace is not permanent and at times it is not satisfying. And so if we've had a rough night, there are many of us who have experienced this before. If we have had a rough night, the next morning when we awake, oh, refreshing is really not the word to say. We need to rely on five cups of coffee to even be able to function. And for people who didn't used to drink coffee, perhaps coffee has become a staple. Fly myself. And so clearly, this earth does not provide the kind of peace that is wholly wholesome and wholly satisfying. So when we talk about Jesus, the shalom, Jesus is talking about bringing a peace that is complete, perfect, and satisfying. Look at the book of John chapter 14, verse 27. And read it along with me, as I'm sure many of us know this verse. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. And highlight this one if you can. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I read it again. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, I'm just wondering what are some of the things that causes us to have sleepless nights? What are some of the things that causes us trouble um, in this season? 
Some weeks back, I talked about how many of us have fears and intimidations. And I don't know why that this topic has come again, and perhaps it's a it is a message that God really wants you to hear. Perhaps it is a message that you need to hear a second time because you are still struggling with fears. You are still struggling with stresses and troubles in your life. Yes, granted, we live in difficult, challenging times. We admit that the pandemic has hit not just our nation, but has probably hit many personal families uh, as well. And you are going through a lot of difficulty. Yes, we have told to, to increase our faith and to trust in God. But regardless how many times we've cried out to Him, it seems that our struggles and our stresses don't go away and peace evades us. Now, Jesus has come to give us an inner peace, which means that regardless of what is going on in the life around us, we can still have peace in Him. And so that is why the sermon this morning is called to us, a son is given because Jesus is bringing us a gift. When I talk about the example of Jesus, so far, I've talked about his providence for our physical needs. But I believe that this morning, God is more interested in the storms that is going on inside of us. God is more interested in the storms that is going on inside of us. And I want to refer to the book of uh, Mark chapter 4. It's not on the screen, but you can turn to it and read it again. And earlier this week, Pastor Jared was sharing in our staff devotion about how uh, Jesus and his disciples were out in the sea. And when, when they were out in the sea, suddenly a, a, a squall or a mighty storm suddenly picks up and the whole ship is turned into turmoil. And I wanted us to pause for a moment here and think, you know, when the storm was wreaking havoc on the boat that Jesus and his disciples were upon. Uh, we, I can, imagine with me what is going on. Now, these are not uh, newbies. These are not inexperienced men. But a number of these people, we are told, have been fishermen for, uh, as, a, as they're living. And if they were fishermen, it's, it speaks, I mean, it's naturally logical that these very men would have the skills necessary for them to do fishing. And since this is a natural phenomenon of a storm sweeping up, it would seem very natural for the fishermen to experience storms. But yet, in this particular incident, in a storm that was going on in the disciples' life, people who, I mean men who were fishermen as a living, they seemed to not be able to deal with their situation. I want to talk about us today. This morning, we are uh, men and women. We are out in our workplaces. We go through our daily skills, our daily training, and we face strong, uh, storms in our life. We face struggles and difficulties. And in, in the case of these disciples, initially, they try their best to solve the situation. When, we talk, when I talk, mentioned earlier about Jesus feeding the 5,000, what happens in the context is that Jesus had actually drawn away with his disciples. The disciples were supposed to spend time with him. But when the crowd came about, it was a problem. The disciples were tired and they wanted some ministry from God. Okay? But instead of receiving time and ministry from God, they were thrown into a situation 
where they had to serve others. And I want to speak to some of us. Perhaps there are a number of you here. You are exhausted and you are tired. You were planning to have some quiet time, peaceful time with God. You were looking forward to receiving from Jesus. Jesus, I spent time for you. I want that refreshing. But unfortunately, that refreshing did not come. And instead of refreshing, you know, time of peace spent with God, ministry was thrown into your lap instead. And so in the case of the disciples, this is exactly what has happened to them. And when the disciples had been serving from morning until it was late, finally the disciples had it and they came to Jesus. Lord, it's getting late. Send the people away so that they can eat. And Jesus, in such a situation, turns to his disciples and says, you feed them. You feed them. And when I think about our current situation today, I said, Lord, I'm tired. Lord, I've been serving you in, in, in so many hours of ministry. And Lord, now back at home, because it's work from home situation, I'm balancing between my family. I'm balancing between ministry. I've got people to counsel. I've got so many things to do, Lord. I wanted to have peace from you. But why have you thrown this back to me? And then when I think about why Jesus' response to his, his disciples was this way. And oftentimes, God wants us to, uh, to look at the things that we have. Now, if I think about my example as a father and my daughter, you know, sometimes Lenora, she gets really very riled up. She's a very emotional girl. And she's a very independent young girl as well. And at, at times when she faces a problem, she gets extremely frustrated. And she wants to solve it with her own abilities. And we have these simple puzzles um, that are done for kids. And uh, it's a puzzle that is easy. There's something that we have trained her to do and something that she can do on her own so that when we need you know, 15 minutes of quiet, we will open the puzzle so that she will uh, play with those and so that we have some time. <laughs> but recently, she got, she got this new set of puzzles that were different. And they were block puzzles where you have to match the picture. So where the previous puzzles were, where you had to match the shape and it would all fit in, this was something new to her. And it did not apply uh, what her previous training of fixing the puzzles did not apply in this new puzzle set. And as she was doing and fixing and trying, clearly she got frustrated. She was doing as much as she can and, and in the end, she just screamed out and started crying. And I was thinking about myself, I really was wondering, what is it, Lynn? Calm down, calm down. What is it? What is it? Talk to me. What is it? Let me know so that I can help. But because my daughter is in her frustration and she's lost in her stress, um, she doesn't call out for help. Now, I'm not always the best at fixing problems, but a two-year-old, three-year-old puzzle can laugh something that was within my capacity to fix. And I wish that my daughter, instead of getting frustrated with her problems, would come and ask me. And if she would only do that, I would gladly help her to fix the problem. Or I would gladly be able, uh, do it together with her as well. Now, oftentimes, we look to our own skills. 
we base on our previous um, expertise, our previous experiences, we, we learn from our own skills and training, and we try to apply them in whatever situation that you're facing. And so when a storm hits, naturally, we would go to our previous training, our previous experiences, things that we've done before, and we'll try to fix it by ourselves. And in, if, in going back to Jesus coming the storm, it looked like this was what was happening. These were fishermen who were in a boat. It should be their natural bread and butter. But when the storm got worse and worse, they began to freak out. Instead of going to Jesus at the beginning, they tried to fix their own problem, and only when it got unbearable, they ran to Jesus. And if you're familiar with the story, the disciples run to Jesus who is sleeping underneath. He's sleeping at the bottom portion of the boat. And they cry out to God, Jesus, buddy, best friend, father, provider, protector, are you sleeping? Don't you care that we are going to die? I wonder if perhaps this is something that we ourselves have prayed before. God, hello, are you sleeping, God? I've prayed. Why aren't you answering my prayers? And perhaps this is something that God needs to talk to us as well. Although there may be storms wrecking havoc around us, Jesus came to bring inner peace. Inner peace. And I know my problem of being sleep-deprived may not sound as important as you know, serious problems of people facing death, people who are struggling or losing their jobs, people who have serious problems out there. But the lack of sleep is something that has frustrated me so much and, and given me so much desperation that at times I am crying out to God, God, we've prayed. Are you sleeping? Don't sleep. Make child sleep. <laughs> it's so frustrating. And I thank God that in spite of my brazen rudeness, he is still a compassionate father. He is still leading, guiding, and comforting. And at times where I'm so frustrated to return the kids, is there a return policy somewhere? He will remind me that I have given you my peace. My peace does not come from this earth. So don't be troubled or afraid. You know, when Jesus was talking about this passage, John chapter 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, he was actually uh, preaching about the Holy Spirit. And it's true. Unlike the disciples 2,000 years ago, we don't have Jesus to run to. We don't have physical Jesus to run to. Jesus, wake up, wake up. Exactly what my daughter would tell me. Wake up, wake up. There's a storm, Jesus. Don't you care that we're going to die? And the beauty about that passage is that Jesus uh, stretches from his sleep, walks up, very calmly walks up. Well, you know, the boat is, but you know, Jesus walks on water, so he probably floated in his peacefulness, comes up, 
And he says, to the storm, peace, be still. And I can imagine that at that moment, the disciples suddenly had a realization. If the disciples had not gone through the storm, if they had not faced through all the chaos, all the, tr- all the troubles, all the stresses, and all the worries, they would not have experienced this miracle. And because the disciples saw this miracle happening before their eyes, they were able to see, who is this man? That he was able to bring peace to the storm. Who is this man? That he was able to protect us from drowning. Who is this man who is able to provide for our needs? And in an extension of that, who is this man? Mighty God, who has the power to stop the storm. And who is this man? Who is the wonderful counsellor who is able to lead us and guide us through our decisions in life? It is because Jesus brought the disciples through that storm. It is because Jesus led them through that situation that the disciples were able to see and recognize this is the Son of God. To us, a son is given. Church, to you and I, Jesus, the Son of God, is given. My peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled. And don't be afraid. But Jesus, where are you now? Jesus, you don't see the struggles that I'm going through. Jesus, you don't see the problems that's happening in my family. Jesus, are you sleeping through this pandemic? Jesus, where are you? My peace, I leave with you. And when Jesus was talking about this passage, he was talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so in those late nights at 3, 4 a.m. when it's the third and fourth wake up and the kids are screaming and I'm standing there rocking them, I'm crying out, God, what is going on? I've prayed, God, I've prayed and they're still screaming, God, what is going on? I remember, my peace, I leave with you. I remember that the peace that I'm seeking for is not from sleep, (laughs) from outside but the peace that I need is an inner peace of the Holy Spirit who lives within me. And because Jesus has given you and I this inner peace, in spite of the storms that is happening around us, we can have inner peace. And that's truly the gift that we need today. So Jesus has come to give this precious gift to each and every one of us. Uh, of us. He's come to provide. He's come to protect. He's our friend who brings us peace. He, he feeds us when we are hungry. He provides for our very needs. He, he calms the storm. He protects us from our struggles. And so wherever we are today, wherever, whatever situations that you are facing in your storm, Jesus has come to bring you peace. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 17 says this, He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. So regardless wherever you are today, God is ever present. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever more. Jesus is constant, and He is with you. This morning, 
we need to turn to God. This morning, the pandemic is striking a lot of havoc in the things around us. And this morning, perhaps you have been crying out to God. But my brothers and sisters, peace does not come from this world. Peace is not found in the absence of troubles, but peace is found in the presence of God. Peace is not found in the absence of troubles, but peace is found in the presence of God. And Jesus says, I have come so that you may have peace.